Welcome to the Digital Story Experience, a podcast made by university student storytellers. Tune in and indulge as guests share their stories based on a different topic in each episode. Enjoy the podcast where not one story is the same as the other. From the comfort of my own bedroom, I'm Sophia and I'm here with Dallin and I would like to talk to you about childhood. Mm-hmm. So quite obviously the definition of childhood is the state of being a child, but how would you define childhood? For me, childhood, um, well the first thing that comes to mind is would be memories, childhood memories. What memories specifically? Um, probably memories with friends. Um, do you have any age range for this childhood topic? Let's do below 10. Below 10. Definitely childhood friends. Um, I had two neighbors that we also went to the same school and we were the best of friends ever since we moved in. I moved in around four, four and a half, and we were friends for years. Well, actually, we're still friends today, um, like 18 years later. <laughs> um, but those are probably my best childhood memories. And when you say childhood, that's the first thing that pops to mind. And um, just pretty much us, you know, going to school. We didn't see each other too much at school, but we had always planned, okay, when we get home, um, we were always doing something. We were always in the backyard or uh, playing some game in their basement or uh, even building like model cars or whatever. So we'd always like be at school and be like, okay, hey, when you get home, phone me because we didn't have cell phones at the time uh, or at the age. So it's like, okay, hey, phone me and, uh, and I'll head right over. If you have homework, don't worry. Do your homework. Phone me after. And... Um, We'd, we would just, like I said, build model cars. Or in the winter, we would make, like, a snow fort igloo. Um, in the summer, we'd play, like, cops and robbers in the front lawn. Uh, and there's some other neighborhood friends that joined us as well, but uh, it was mainly just us three. Um, and I remember once we made a skateboard video. Uh, they had a video camera, and they brought it out, and they're like, oh, you know, like, Dallin, look at this. It's so cool. Look at this video camera. So we had skateboards. We didn't know how to ride at all, but we kind of tried to. And we made a skateboard video and um, there's so many good, good, good memories that definitely spring up when you say childhood. Okay, specifically, I know a few of these memories and I know music is a big thing you guys had in common. Yeah, actually, I forgot about that. Um we did a lot of active stuff outside and, and whatever, but music was definitely uh, a connection between us. Uh, I should I should probably mention it was two twin boys next door. So together it was all three of us. And they're older, right? They're four years older. Mm-hmm. 
and um, they're both the same age. Uh, as twins usually are. As twins. <laughs> Did I mention twins? Yeah. <laughs> so they're the same age. They're twins. Um, you certainly do have a talent for trivializing the momentous and complicating the obvious. And we fed off each other for music. So, like, my dad kind of started me on guitar, and then they'd come over and they're like, that's cool. You know, um, can you show me a little bit? So I'd show them a little bit. And they'd go home and they found a guitar in their house, and they would learn a little bit, and they'd come over and say, hey, Dallin, check this out, you know, try playing this. So we definitely went back and forth. And then I remember for their birthday, they got electric guitars. And uh, my parents around the same time got me an electric guitar. So then we started jamming, we started playing on the electric guitars. And then I got a set of drums and a karaoke machine and on and on. Uh, so we started having little concerts in the basement. We would invite my parents down um, and the twins' parents. And we would host little... Um, concerts in the basement so those memories uh are so good uh, not only did we learn an instrument on our own uh you know for our own benefit but we had so much fun and connected so well over music um and even today uh what did i say 18 years later we still uh we'll have a jam session we'll still play guitar here and there so definitely music all the outdoor activity too, but definitely music connected us. Do you think your childhood would have been the same without them? No. Would you, do you think you would have found music? Oh yeah, of course, because of your dad. But I, would I, you have gone and had such a big interest in this and did house concerts with someone else? <laughs> yeah. Um, I wouldn't, like I'm sure I would have stumbled. Dad would have showed me guitar anyways. Um, but definitely it helped having, you know, two boys come over. Not only do we hang out, but now we're pushing each other with music. Um, I would show them stuff. They would show me stuff. So it kind of, when you have somebody to do it with, it helps and it makes it funner too. So, uh, yeah, they definitely helped me in the pursuit of music and vice versa. But what was, what was your other question? Oh, I forget already. I have another question. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, so you talked about these house concerts. Is there one that sticks out in particular that you did with them? Yeah. So we're probably, um, I don't know what age I was, six, seven. And like our, like our dads, um, we liked the same music, which was seventies, eighties, nineties, rock and roll. Um, so like Kiss, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, Pink. And in the words of ACDC, we roll tonight to the guitar bite. Uh, so one Halloween, we dressed up as Kiss. Uh, and they brought a friend from school. So there was four of us. And we all dressed up as Kiss in like the full-on makeup, full-on costumes. We made our own costumes. And uh, we went and did Halloween. And then we thought, maybe we should incorporate this into our little concerts we do in the basement. Um, and don't, you know, don't forget, I'm six years old. Like, it might sound ridiculous now, but we were pretty young. But, um, so we have, we put this little concert on, and we, we, like, we shut off the lights. We put, like, little spotlights around the basement. Um, we might have had 
like a, um, a plug-in disco ball, I think maybe we set up. And I dressed up as a KISS member. Um, and so did one of the twins. And he was the drummer. And then the other twin, I, I can't remember who he dressed up as, but it was somebody else. And, of course, parents were invited. They came down. They sat. They uh, they watched the, the show, I guess you could say. And I think we played, like, maybe ten songs. <laughs> Wasn't that just magnificent? I was worried it was getting a little dodgy in the middle part, but then that finale. <laughs> wow! Um, and now, looking back, yeah, it's kind of... Like, it's really special, but it kind of seems ridiculous. But at the time, we had so much fun. Um, and looking back... I think you mentioned your other question was if I didn't have them, would my childhood upbringing be different? Uh, definitely, because the kids at school, like I was friends with a lot of the kids at school and they were great, but uh, my family and I are really big into, you know, proper morals and values and just what makes a, you know, a good, decent kid. And the twins, their parents were the exact same. So they were raised the same as I, and um, they kind of, they were older than me, four years older, so they, not that I needed it, but they kind of directed me along the proper path. Mom and dad would have anyways, but having kids your age, they're more of a role model. Um, so I think I definitely had an influence from them growing up, um, and kind of how I turned out today, I think. Not just the memories, but, you know, building upon those morals and values. And you guys were so close that you ended up taking down part of your fence, right? Because they were in your next-door neighbors. Yeah. Um, so not only were me and the twins really, really close, we hung out every single day, but our parents as well, my parents and their parents. And we were neighbors, so we're always, you know, going, walking all the way around the house to the gate because on one side they, they were missing a gate, so we had to go all the way around to go to their backyard so we said well why don't we take down the fence right in the middle and put a um an arbor mm-hmm. so we went and bought this i don't know 100 dollar arbor installed it and uh we're like the only house ever i don't know if you could ever go find a house where they have a shared yard with their neighbor um and i think we planted some plants some vines and they grew up on the side of the arbor and we put mm-hmm. lights one time and we would have like hawaiian parties and stuff and we'd open up the arbor and go from yard to yard uh, so yeah, tons and tons of good memories. Um, their parents and our parents, and then of course, me and the twins. Well, thank you for sharing so many precious memories with us today. No problem. Anytime. I am Marlene Werfel, and I'm interviewing Agnes Werfel on the topic of childhood. What's our relationship? You are my daughter. And you are my mother. I'm your child. But I'm not a child anymore. And neither are you. But that's our topic, childhood. I asked you to think of stories about childhood and to think about your childhood. What came to mind? I guess I'll start at the beginning. As far back as I can remember, I felt accepted and felt loved by the whole family. And it seemed to me it was because I was the first girl after my oldest sister and five brothers. So the seventh in the family. I can remember when I was very little being my daddy's girl. 
I sat next to him at the table so he could serve me. And when I complained that I didn't like runny eggs, he mixed my mashed potatoes and eggs together. And then it was fine and it tasted good. I remember him carrying me on his shoulders once and I felt on top of the world. He was proud of me, I thought, because I was strong and healthy. That is my first memories. When does childhood begin? Well, I would say it begins uh, from the time where you have some memory. Is childhood something that you leave behind? I don't think you used to really ever leave it behind. Because for me, in my old age here, my memories of childhood seem to be most vivid. The time when I was a busy, busy mother with five children at home and a hardworking husband, things seemed to be a blur. Like uh, I was so busy. That period of my life is a blur. And I recalled my childhood much better than I recall those years. On the farm, it, during my childhood, I had time to think. I had time. I was never in a rush. It seemed as if I always had time on my hands. The farm that I grew up on, it was seven miles away from a small town. It had a big, what we thought was a big house, but it was, it was actually reasonably small by today's standards, but it was adequate in size for the family, for our family. We had a big dining room and living room combined, a big kitchen, and mom and dad's room downstairs. And then upstairs, we had an upstairs. Of course, that house is what I remember best of all, but there was a large yard and uh, the fenced area for the animals. And there was a chicken house. My mom loved chickens. There were many buildings. My dad had a shop beside the house. There were granaries. There was a great big red barn. But the large wooded area, an area of about a quarter section, which was a wooded area where we would go and play and run around. We spent a lot of time there. We climbed trees, and we watched birds make their nests, and we picked berries, we picked flowers, we picked a lot of flowers. And my brothers, uh, Henry, who was brother next to me, uh, trapped, he had a trap line. And I think that's pretty well around where his trap line was. He, he trapped weasels, which were worth quite a bit of money. The fur was worth quite a bit of money in those days. So that was pocket money. The boys would hunt jackrabbits there sometimes. And jackrabbits were the only rabbit we ate. And it was considered jackrabbit meat, made a great stew, and it was, it was a delicacy, really. And of course, we saw some deer there in the wooded area. We picked a lot of berries during the summer, and we took the little ones with us when we were little anyway. 
we would take the little ones with us. And picking berries was a sort of a play activity. We picked raspberries and strawberries when we were little. And when we got older, we were picking Saskatoons and highbush cranberries. There was no boredom. There was no boredom at all in our house. With my little sisters, I remember trying to play school. But somehow my classes would always end up in, in disaster. It got totally chaotic because my younger sisters would misbehave and uh, the school lesson wouldn't last more than five minutes, I'm sure. And then we were at something else. My mom would sew all our clothes. So she would always let us have bits of material to dress our dolls. As I got a bit older, we, uh, we learned to crochet, we learned to knit, we embroidered. I read to my sisters a lot. There was never really any boredom in our house. We played games. One of the things that happened in our house was the older ones would take care of the little ones. And it was largely in play. The older ones would have the little ones tagging along and would take care of them while playing. My first recollection of grade one, for instance, was my teacher treated me sort of a little bit like a baby. She seemed to like me and all that, treat me like a baby. But she didn't have time, eight grades. The teacher didn't have time to teach us very much at all. I was given a page of reading to do in my textbook in French. And then again, an assignment in English reading. So then, of course, I couldn't learn to read by on my own. So my mom would, when I'd get home, my mom would put my brother Lawrence, and he was, the brother was four years older than I was. And he would be the one who would teach me to read. <laughs> and he was a very bright kid right guy who didn't have too much patience with me. But anyway, that was what would happen. And if by any chance we missed that, that uh, class that we had with our older siblings, the teacher would actually punish us by sometimes giving us a strap. We didn't know our reading, we hadn't done our work, we would get a slap on our hand with a strap. I don't think I remember getting the strap very often, but I might have once or twice. Then later on, in grade two, for instance, the teacher uh, told me, you're not a baby anymore. You're in grade two now, you're not a baby anymore. And that's it. Now she was going to be strict with me. I, I found that quite... I was quite unhappy about that, you know. But I don't recollect being unhappy in grade two. I think things went fine, you know. I can remember some things like we were supposed to follow music together. 
And that was a whole school from grade three to grade eight. We were going to get an exam in music. And I remember once uh, getting that exam. And uh, I really had no idea what those notes were all about. I hadn't learned anything in music, in my music lessons. <laughs> I don't think I had an aptitude for music anyway. But I remember then my teacher, the teacher putting the results of those tests on the blackboard. And she put my name last with a big zero next to it. And that was, that was something that was very painful for me, I'll tell you, getting a big zero in an exam and it being shown on the board. And I remember my older, one of my cousins who was five years older than I was, looking down on me, you know, from across the room uh, with a smirk on his face. And I was very humiliated. Okay, so I have that memory, which was not a pleasant memory. But other than that, school really, you know, was fine. I remember the Christmas concerts that we had in those days, which was about a month of almost continual working. The most fun Christmas concert that we had was when this man teacher, the first Christmas concert that he put on, he had really worked hard to, to make it something special. And uh, the parents and the community didn't necessarily attend those concerts very well. It depended on how old their kids were, I guess. And, but the first Christmas concert he had put on was very, was very good concert. And hardly anybody showed up. So then the second year, he wasn't going to get caught like that, putting that much work into it. So he decided to just read us some stories and then tell us to act them out. And that was our Christmas concert. We were doing Cinderella and I had wanted to be Cinderella, of course, but I hadn't had any luck there. A taller and prettier girl than and I was picked for Cinderella. So I ended up being one of the ugly sisters. But I, I, I didn't like that too much, but I was reconciled to it quite quickly. And uh, I had so much fun. Oh, I had so much fun helping putting on that play. And of course, when the day came for the concert, the community had heard about that first Christmas concert and how good it was. In fact, one of the plays had been put on in our town. So then a whole lot of people turned up. <laughs> and our poor teacher was just aghast. <laughs> he was really uh, sort of undone. And we ended up having to support him and encourage him because, <laughs> because he, he was quite unraveled.
Hi everyone, my name is Madison and today I will be interviewing Kelsey on the topic of childhood. She is 23 years old and she has a niece and nephew both under the age of five years old. So we thought it would be interesting to discuss the differences in childhood for herself compared to them. So hello, Kelsey. Hello. My first question would be, what are the main differences you see in their childhood as compared to your childhood? I would say the main difference that I've noticed so far is definitely the prevalence of screen time that they are experiencing. I mean, growing up, I I never had an iPhone or never had an iPad or I had very few games that involved having to be behind a screen for the majority of the time. So that has been interesting to see in not only my niece and nephew, but how kids of all ages now are so dependent on screens to not only distract themselves, but to communicate with others and to form friendships. And um, it's a topic of its own, really, how screen times affect people. But that is the main difference from my childhood as compared to my niece and nephew. And because they are still under the age of five, but they're still very inept at knowing how to... use a iPhone or an iPad, it has been interesting to, to see how they'll grow and even become more dependent on that. Mm -hmm. And it's obvious that technology nowadays does help children keep in touch with their, their family and their friends, but, but do you feel the constant ability for kids to communicate with others via text and on social media comes with some risks? I do, yeah. I feel that out of all generations in the past, they're they're definitely the generation that has been most bombarded with this digital information and societal pressure in a sense. And I feel that that in itself has a huge risk and no one's really going to know what that risk is until they do grow up to an age to kind of show what it has done. I mean, speaking for myself, growing up, I always had relationships with friends that I only interacted through face-to-face contact or phone calls, or I didn't, we didn't power up a phone to FaceTime them. And I mean, I'm only 23. That technology is not new. It's not no stranger to me I when it became available I definitely hopped on the chance to use it but when kids of such a young age are being exposed to it right from the get-go that uh, that definitely will have some side effects so kind of on the same topic do you think that the obvious increased screen time whether that's tv ipads tablets phones whatever it may be, do you think it's a positive or a negative? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, a lot of people are eager to say it's negative and that kids are becoming obsessed with the screens, which which rightfully so in some cases. But I feel that technology has allowed for communication that was never there in the first place. So at a click of a button, you're able to communicate with someone across the world 
whether that be a distant family member or a distant friend. And so in that sense, I feel like that that sense of communication is a positive side effect of increased screen time. And um, I do agree that people should limit their their screen time for sure because we are experiencing negative side effects where people are becoming so reliant on speaking through behind a screen that their face-to-face contact is becoming a little a little less um, developed and it's harder for people to communicate face-to-face and they'd prefer it to be behind a phone so um, definitely increased screen time has its benefits and it has its consequences but I think that there's always too much of a good thing and um, that's where the problem kind of lies. For sure, yeah. When kids are using their devices for learning tools or even to talk with their friends a little bit, it's a good thing. But yeah, you are definitely right when there needs to be limits set. Um, how do you think that kids today, how they're experiencing their childhood, how do you think that that may affect how they interact with people in the future? Right, so... I just by seeing my niece and nephew become so become so um, reliant on these devices and reliant on being behind a screen to pass the time uh, and just seeing the effects that it's having on them so far. I mean, my nephew Easton, he's only four, so it's easier to see see how it's affected him as compared to my niece, Everly, who's only one. But with Easton, we've noticed that screen time is something that he would choose as opposed to hanging out with his family or hanging out with his sister or playing a game downstairs. So, and when you compare it to other cases, when these young teens or these young adults are having trouble going in for an interview because they're too scared to speak with someone face-to-face or they're, they'd prefer to text as opposed to phone call and meeting friends online as opposed to meeting them in real life. I do think that it has affected how we interact with people in the future and in the way that people are preferring a digital interaction as opposed mm-hmm. to a real-life interaction. Absolutely, yeah. Do you have any key moments in your childhood that you believe affected who you are today? I, when I think of this question, I think immediately to when I was about 10 or 11 and I was playing hockey at the time and I had met one of my best friends who I'm still best friends with today. And I feel like that being exposed to like sporting events and meeting people in real life and having to go outside and play with your neighbors and play with your friends just in a social setting. I feel like that's affected who I am today because not only do I have lasting friendships, but I also have the ability to to understand the beauty of face-to-face relationships. I mean, so many people are, I feel like, not to sound dramatic, but I feel like they're trapped in their screen and they don't understand that going out and meeting someone is so much more 
fulfilling than meeting someone online and talking to them via text and behind a screen. And I mean, there's also a lot of benefits. People have met loved ones and friends online. And that's not to say that those friendships don't last as well. And that's not to say that they, that keeping in touch with people online is a bad thing. But when people don't understand that they can go out and meet someone who they might have never met online. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that those key moments and having those relationships forged at such a young age has really affected who I am today and allowed me to understand the beauty in going to a bar and Mm -hmm. meeting someone or like a friend. And I mean, with COVID now, that's another topic in itself, but it's almost made it harder for those people to who love face-to-face interaction, love being around people, love being in social settings, and maybe in a sense has been easier for people who are more in, inclined to communicate behind a screen. Yeah, I think with everything going on in regards to COVID-19, they kids, that's their only way that they really can communicate with their friends is through FaceTiming, and you know text messaging and all that stuff so definitely back on your point there is there are pros and cons but uh yeah yeah I would definitely say that watching Easton and Everly grow up and even just seeing people who are younger than me and um just become so reliant on these screens it's a little troubling but at the same time it's also it is where things are going. I mean, we are getting more and more used to working behind a screen and we're getting used to meeting friends online and dating online. And so in a way, I feel like them gearing up for them at a young age is kind of a sign of the times. And, um, you know, not to say that all face-to-face communication will be lost, but it will definitely create a different childhood and a different adulthood. And in a sense, I think childhood will never really be the same as it was for myself, which is not necessarily a sad thing because, I mean, as we grow, we evolve. Very true. That is very true. So kind of on a similar tangent um if you had one thing from your childhood that you wish your niece and nephew could experience what would that be I think I wish that they would experience the the sense of adventure that Mm -hmm. I had I would leave the house sometimes at 10 in the morning and I wouldn't come back until 7 at night and we would be (laughs) it sounds funny but (laughs) we would be going out and like going on walks and bike rides and seeing new places and exploring and thinking that whatever we found was the coolest thing we had ever seen. And I mean, that sense of adventure is not necessarily lost upon these kids. And, but the idea that my childhood, when I think of my childhood, I think of being adventurous and being outdoors and hanging out with my friends face to face and trying new things. And I hope that my niece and nephew will experience the same type of 
adventure and wanting to go outdoors and explore and try new things and yeah I would say that that is one thing that I hope that they experience awesome well thank you for joining me today on this interview and I really enjoyed speaking with you thank you very much How do you remember your childhood? What memories do you keep within you? What memories do you share? Who is it that you looked up to? What do we hold on from childhood? In this story, we learn about Savannah and the moments that she has cherished, other moments where she remembers her loss of childhood and her understanding of those youthful, carefree days. I, I think that as a child, I always felt like I addressed the future. And I mean by future, like after childhood, after living with my parents, when it was time to like leave the nest with a lot of like trepidation. And I never knew what it looked like. And I never had a plan. And, you know, my mom would say things like, you know, you can do anything that you want to do. I think her intent wasn't to overload me with just every choice in the world or these high expectations, but I think what she was trying to say was, you're intelligent and you're talented and you could do anything that you want. But what she maybe wasn't so great at is instilling work ethic or guiding me or nourishing certain passions that I had. So I remember And I really don't know how old I was, but it was younger than 10 and older than 5, we'll say. And being at our picnic table outside, and I remember drawing and writing. So I would make these little stories where I would draw these pictures, and then I'd make little captions and and poems and stuff. And I remember being like, oh, I just love this so much, but I, I don't know how to bridge the gap, basically, between doing what I love and going out into the world and being able to do it. Something that I think is synonymous with childhood, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. The first memory that I have, I would have been a couple weeks shy of three. My brothers were born in early February. And so, and I was born in late February, so I was almost three, and my mom had gone into labor, so it was time to go to the hospital. My grandpa had come over to watch me while my mom and my dad went to the hospital. She was in labor, so they needed to help her out to the car. So it was both my dad and my grandpa helping her to the car. And I kind of just felt like, oh, like, I think they're leaving me. Like, like I think I might be alone. Like, I don't know if, when, like, I was like, I'm pretty sure they're going to come back, but I, I don't know when. And I was like, okay, okay. So if they're leaving, okay, that's fine. Like, I can, okay. What do I need? I need food. I need water. I've got shelter. I know how to go to the bathroom. That's great. 
okay, so if I need to eat something, okay, I can take this chair and I can push it to the cupboard. And if I jump up on the chair, I can get to the cupboard, to the bread, the peanut butter. I can make myself a sandwich. That's cool. Okay, I got this. It's cool. There was a moment of freaking out and there was like, no, I got it. Like, I can, <laughs> I can take care of myself. And then, you know, there were a couple of other things not soon after that that made me feel like, uh, you know, like, oh, I'm not safe, right? And I'm not protected and there's no sense of being carefree. So, so to me, looking back, that's when I kind of felt like childhood was over. I feel like those moments of being truly carefree have been something I've always grasped at and found very hard to like keep for very long. That's something that I've always had a hard time grasping and I've been reaching for is like the sense of a true settling. There were times that I spent with my grandparents, my mom's parents, when I would go to their farm, which was maybe a half an hour away from our house, and I would spend the weekends with them. Most weekends, sometimes during the week, I would see them as well. And just always feeling a sense of being taken care of and sense of being carefree, especially with my grandma. You know, there was a lot of laughs with her. I could just lay around and like do kid stuff and watch TV and eat bad food and go outside and, and be a kid. And she kind of just let me do that. <laughs> she was like, she always dressed like a movie star and was just so beautiful and well put together. And she really liked to shop. So we'd go shopping together a lot and it was always like really fun. And we'd always get these really feminine things and it was just like, two princesses. And she, you know, something she really taught me was like expression through like beauty and I guess the term for it now would be self-care. You know, through beauty and perfumes and your hair and your makeup and your clothes and she didn't wear a lot of makeup but she was just always put together. But I was thinking back to this one memory I have of her. There was the farm that they had, and right next to it was the oil road. And it was the road that they, the workers would use to go to the refinery, which was a couple miles away from their acreage. Where every other road kind of in the area was like a gravel farm road that road was asphalt and it was like packed down and it was like this really really dark gray color after dinner we would go out for walks up and down that road and there were these plants and i guess they were weeds um, that would grow up through the asphalt and they grow up all over around her house and they're called portulaca so they're like some sort of weed that's like very hardy and very hard to kill. 
So what you have to do, and it, and like it will grow up through anything, like it was growing up through the asphalt. So what you have to do is you have to rip it out, make sure you get the weeds. You have to turn it over, and you have to stomp on the on the root so that it kills it, so that it can't replant. Because if you just leave it there, its roots will just go right back into the ground. And she like had this like vendetta against the portulaca because they would be around all the house. They'd be around her gardens. They were like such a pest. She hated spraying things. So she would like pull them up with like this kind of like funny anger and turn them over. And she's just like this little woman. And she's like, okay, now you have to stomp on them. So she was teaching me how to do this. We ended up making this song that you would sing while you were stomping on the portulaca because you wanted to stomp on them enough to sure you would killed it at the time on on um on the tv there was this this commercial and it might have been for like shake and bake and it was like i feel like chicken tonight it's like i feel like chicken tonight chicken tonight chicken at night and then it says and something but we would say i feel like chicken tonight chicken tonight chicken tonight and one portulaca <laughs> So we would walk around the oil road and we'd pick up these portulaca and we'd flip them over and we'd stomp on them and we'd sing this song and we'd laugh. And it was just like the funnest, stupidest thing. She was always so well put together and kind of like demure. But in that moment to see her also so carefree and like laughing, it was just like such a gift. My grandma pa having passed just like a few months ago. If I, pro well, I mean, I, if I saw a portulaca, I'd probably lose my mind and just start crying. <laughs> but yeah, I think it, it would like bring up those feelings of feeling carefree. I think a lot of parents think back on something and they're like oh god like oh, I can't I hope they didn't don't hate me for that and then the the kid feels that that's maybe one of their most cherished cherished memories so I wonder if she ever thought back and was like oh man I can't believe that you know she came my granddaughter came to spend this weekend with me and I made her go like pick weeds and stomp on them like <laughs> but it was it was like one of my favorite things <laughs> I don't think I really realized it at the time because I think that I just thought that not being like, oh, well, I mean, the, the way that I felt about feeling unsafe was just like, that's how it happens when you're a kid. Like, I didn't have any concept of anything ever being different or how I lived should have been different. But looking back on it now is when I can see that it was like a truly carefree time. Just brown the chicken, simmer, and serve. I feel like chicken tonight, like chicken tonight. And one portulaca.